All right, well, good morning, everybody. Is it not beautiful or what? I tell you. Yeah, spring is here, and the new life that's coming outside is a lot of what we've been talking about in here, that God has such a desire for all of us to be able to live these healthy, full lives. That's what Jesus Christ came, he said he came to do, was to give us life and life to the full. So we've entitled this series, A Healthy Heart and a Healthy Soul. And this whole idea that you actually need emotional health and spiritual maturity together as a human being. And that God, is, God has created all of that. He's created us intellectually. He's created us physically. He's created us spiritually. But he's created us emotionally. And he cares. All of that matters to him. And so that's what we've been diving into. And um, today, we're going to be, the title is, We're Enduring the Dark. And here's what we know. Physically, physically, you can have something that's actually going wrong inside of you to the point where you have to go to the doctor and the surgeon actually comes. And, and the craziest thing about a surgeon is he will actually hurt you. The surgery hurts. Anybody had surgery that hurt before? One of our pastor, fellow pastors in the area slipped and fell on his shoulder, and so he had to have shoulder surgery, and I saw him. And any of you who've had shoulder surgery, you know the pain of that. But that hurt that the surgeon is willing to do is never to harm you. The pain that the surgeon is willing to do is because he actually wants to heal you. He actually wants to bring you to a place of an absolute profound new freedom. And so what we're going to talk about today is the reality that for all of us who are on a journey with God, and that, and that our mission here at K2, we want to invite all of you, and we want to equip you to actually live out the adventure of following Jesus, okay? Well, here's what I would just want to tell you. If you are following Jesus... At some point, he, the perfect surgeon, is going to actually go into your soul, into your heart, and it probably is going to hurt. In fact, one guy called this St. John of the Cross. He called this the dark night of the soul. Because isn't God just supposed to love us and make us feel good all the time? <laughs> I mean, that's why we, that's life to the full, right? Well, we all know that our hearts are pretty broken and our emotions can be pretty messed up. And we need a God who's actually willing to go in there and touch us at those deep places. But I do know, and, and again, none of us are going to escape this season with him. And I do know this, that when that happens, it gets really confusing. Because all of a sudden, what used to work doesn't work anymore. And who you knew God to be. He it's like he changed on us or something. Like, where, where are you, God? That's <laughs> what we read in the Psalms all the time. Where are you, God? What are you doing? That is going to happen, but I want to tell you it's because he loves you. Because he is absolutely committed to healing the deepest places of our soul and setting us free. All right? So before we dive in, um, I just want to pray for us. Because my guess is that some of you, with, a, with this many people in this room, some of you might be in that place right now where it's just confusing and God is not making sense. And, and you know what? And if that's not you, I, you probably know somebody who is in that. And if that's not the case, then just get prepared, right? Because <laughs> the time will be coming. 
So let's ask God to do that for us. Father, I do pray right now in Jesus' name that you will just be present here, that you will love on every single one of us, God. You know the exact place where we are in our relationship with you. God, I want to acknowledge you and give you thanks and praise that you are a father, a God who loves us enough to go to the hard places, to the dark places. And I ask you, Jesus, that today would your word be alive and active, go into the deepest places of our being, into that deep place of our soul, and speak to us and encourage us. And I ask for that in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, I was studying for this this week, and right in the middle of my study, my good friends uh, Jeff and Melissa Borgland uh, called because they were coming out for the weekend. And we talked, and uh, as soon as we got done, I hung up the phone, I went back to my notes, and all of a sudden it hit me. I'm like, wait a second. Jeff and Melissa are like living this right now. And now I have my stories of these dark nights of the soul. If you've been with me for 16 years, you've probably heard them because I share them. And so I called them right back and I said, hey, since you're visiting, how would you like to share your story? And so you guys, would you please give a warm welcome to Jeff and Melissa who are going to come up here and share with us right now. Love you guys. <laughs> He's already shaking his head. Oh. No, seriously. I, we just I, wanted to visit. We just <laughs> wanted to visit. That's it. <laughs> oh, man. But I, I am so grateful. Uh, by the way, Jeff is one of my best friends, and Susie always knows when I'm talking to him on the phone, because if I'm just laughing on the phone, I'm talking to Jeff usually. So I just love you guys so much. So Hey, just tell us, start off by just sharing with everybody, like, how long have you actually been on this journey with Jesus? Well, I uh, accepted Jesus about 27 years ago and thought it was going to be an easy ride. And I tried to avoid the surgery, and I tried to avoid all those things, and I couldn't. Um, I've been a believer for my whole life, so 46 years, and... Um, I would say my faith has been somewhat of a shallow faith my whole life until the last 10 years I really had to realize who God was. Yeah. So let's go there. I'm just gonna, we're just going to dive right in with our time. So, so just share with everybody what's, hap- what's been going on in the last two months, last eight weeks. Where are you at in this relationship with God right now? Yeah, I mean, we were, we've been following him and trying to, to, to really just understand where he's leading and all of a sudden as dave said he, he's there's this wall and we don't see him anymore and we're confused because there we are joyfully following him along trusting him and then where are you and those psalms have been just so true lately yeah. so true yeah um i would say for me in the last eight weeks it's been a place of um, through the spiritual battle and the enemy trying to take me out, he's been pushing me uh, deeper, deeper into um, some very scary waters. And um, it's scary. It's terrifying. It's dark. At moments, it feels like death. But God is there, and he's in that, and he's all I have, <laughs> like... I've tried everything else, he's it. So it's like all my eggs are in his basket. So I don't have any other options but him right now. So it's pushing me further into his arms 
which is exactly where we need to be right now. Yeah. And it's also a little bit more um, of a unique situation presently because of stuff that happened 10 years ago, right? So 10 years ago, you, you can share with that and just the, what, what happened in the reaction after a really pretty tough season. Yeah, God, God's created me with an entrepreneurial heart, and um, we, we, we started a business. We took a risk about 15 years ago, and about 10 years ago, we realized it's not going to happen, and that was very confusing because if God's with me, how is this not happening? Um, so through that business failure, we lost everything and proceeded to go into a, 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 de- a season, a desert season, trying to understand God. Why would he do this? What does it look like? Sometimes running away from God. And, uh, you know, so then about five years ago, we had to kind of look at each other and say, all right, we're still alive. We're here. Are we going to go all in? What are we going to do? And we kind of decided that this is, this is our moment. Yeah, go for it. Tell, so yeah, so tell, yeah, just share what you guys did at that five-year mark. Yeah, so we asked ourselves a question. Uh, what would it look like if we uh, read the Bible every day together in our marriage? And um, it was scary at first because I'm like, eh, you know, what's it going to do? It's really not going to do much in our marriage. Um, but doing that, we started to see this amazing saga of the story and how God uses everyday people like us and how um, illogical God was. Like, he's not a logical God. He can be very illogical in how he uses people and how he, you know, tapestries their stories. And um, we started recognizing that our crazy story fit that, fit that illogical, you know, kind of methodology that God uses. And so then it started to make sense um, to us what he was doing and, you know, So even in our deepest and darkest times, those stories and words that people have spoken over us have given us the hope to kind of continue and move forward and double down. Yeah. And and, and, and walk in this journey with with you guys. uh, uh, It was amazing for me to be able to observe, to know what had happened, to lose everything, all the questions, and then instead you, you pressed into him. And, um, and then found, wow, this guy in the Bible is actually as crazy as the one we're experiencing right now. And that was super helpful. But the other thing that you guys shared that happened in this is that you realize God, you use the word sifting us. So share, <laughs> share a little bit about that. Um, yeah, so after this first failure, um, you know, we kind of had this feeling that God wanted to take us somewhere um, bigger uh, deeper and, and, and use us. And after that failure, I was just like, well, what now? You know, you, you didn't show up for me. And then it took years and years of, um, you know, pain and uh, working on myself to realize, and, and you as well, um, to realize that God was trying to weed out or sift out all the unhealthy habits, all the lies that we believed about ourselves. Um, he wanted those gone before he was going to take us deeper. Um, so, yeah, we got sifted heavily. Yeah. Well, it was really interesting because at that time that it was happening, Dave was given a message here at K2, and he was talking about Peter being sifted mm-hmm. and how Jesus was saying, you will go through this process, and when you return, strengthen your brothers and sisters. And that was eye-opening because I had never understood that passage before the way until we lived it, 
until we lived it. It was just powerful. Yeah. And so here you are, um, lost everything there, and you started a new business, you know, started a real a, a, a vision from a guy, I believe from God to help people with their marriages. And all of a sudden, all that's going wacky. And so here you are again in this darkness. And, um, and so what are you doing? What do you get, get, by the way, Jeff, we were talking last night and he said, you know, I, I always thought like we'd share the story after at the end, right? So you could kind of go, hey, let us tell you how God came through. And he's like, I didn't think I'd have to share the story while I'm in the middle of it. So what are you guys doing right now while you're in the darkness? Crying. <laughs> um, no, I mean, you know, it's, it, when we read the message as well that Dave was saying, it, it, it we have no other option. That's, that's the part. God has brought us to this point where we have to rely on him. We cannot do this on our own. Where he's brought us in working in marriages, where he's brought us in, in our business, it's, it's, it's not possible to do it on our own. And that was a great revelation, but it's also extremely scary because darkness is not something I like at all. Yeah. I would say for me right now... Um you know, I, I, we got to a place a few weeks back where um, I had to really, really choose whose side I'm on. And um, if I'm going to choose God, I, I can't allow the fear to invade my heart um, because I'm going to give the enemy ground in that. So that's been a real, real big thing for me right now is if the fear comes to really take that thought captive and not allow my heart to go there because it will destroy me. And um, the other thing I will say is just surrounding yourselves with people. Um, we've got some really close friends that when we're at our deepest and darkest, you know, we're sitting with them and we're crying out to them and they can encourage us and lift us up and pray for us and, and help us move forward. So that's kind of where we're at right now is just really choosing to not live in the fear and walk in the fear because it is terrifying, but it's also exciting what God wants to do with us. Um, yeah. So I focus on that. I focus on the promises. Awesome. Well, I don't think it was a coincidence that this happened to be the weekend you guys came. And so thank you. thanks for being a witness to me of how to persevere and how to endure. And so I'm, I, for one, am excited to see what he's going to do for you guys. So you guys give them a... Can a we enjoy the sure. service now? What's that? Can we enjoy the service yeah, now? Yeah, yeah, get out of here. <clears throat> Well, I, as I was uh, thinking about my own times in, of these dark nights of the soul, these times when God isn't making any sense, when, when you hit a spiritual wall and you can't get through it. When I was in California working on my uh, master's degree in seminary was the, one of those times. And it's interesting because I felt like what I heard God saying to me as he was stripping everything away and not allowing anything else to work, I just felt like he kept saying to me, David, am I enough for you? Am I enough for you? And like Jeff and Melissa were just saying, when you get to these places and nothing else is working, it's like, where else do you go? Is God enough for you and for me? And here's what I know, is God wants to get us to that place where our hearts are free from all of the other things that we hold on to, to find our life and to find our security, because he is the one who can give it to us. Okay, so I'm going to read a passage for you, and then I'm going to pull this apart and just show us some principles that can help us. Again, you guys, if you're in this darkness right now, if you know somebody who is, or prepare yourself, because it will come. 
All right? It's 2 Corinthians chapter 1, verses 8 through 11. And Paul starts off his letter and he says this. We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experienced in the province of Asia. We were under great pressure, far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. But this happened that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril, and he will deliver us again. And on him we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us as you help us by your prayers. All right? So let me share a few things from this passage about the darkness that we experience with God. Number one is this. The darkness rolls in when things are good enough. When things are good. The darkness all of a sudden rolls. You'll be walking along with God and everything's great and all of a sudden he takes you on this turn and you turn and you enter into, or you hit the wall as some people call it, or you walk into darkness and it's like, well, wait a second. I I thought everything was good. I thought I was actually following you, God. I thought I was being faithful to you. And so when that happens, I I think about this night school. Well, what was Paul experiencing? In verse 8, it says, We do not want you to be uninformed, brothers and sisters, about the troubles we experience in the province of Asia. Well, what was he doing in Asia? Sinning? Was he rebelling against God? Was he not doing what he wanted him to do? And so God's like, all right, man, that's it, Paul. No, you know what he was doing? He was doing exactly what God called him to do. He was planting, for those of you guys who know the Bible, the book of Ephesians, right? The city of Ephesus, a huge place in Asia. That's where Paul was. He was doing exactly what God wanted him to do, and that's when the darkness rolled in. And I'm telling you, this is no small thing. This is hard for me. I struggle with this. When I feel like I'm doing what God wants me to do and I'm being faithful to him and that all of a sudden everything falls apart or I don't hear his voice anymore or I can't understand him, it's just confusing. And so I'd be encouraged, okay, if you've ever been in that place because it doesn't mean, yes, can you walk into the darkness and because you're rebelling against God and doing things that are, where he can't even fellowship with you? Yes, you can do that. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the reality that God loves you so much that sometimes he actually takes you into these places when you're being faithful to him. And this is really important. In fact, look at this psalm. Psalm 44 said this so well. It says, the, the psalmist says, all, he's talking about the same type of thing, all this negative things that are happening to him. And he says, all this came upon us, though we had not forgotten you. We had not been false to your covenant. Our hearts had not turned back. Our feet had not strayed from your path. But you crushed us in the place of jackals. You covered us with deep darkness. Now, I mean, part of us has got to go, what kind of God is this? (laughs) What kind of God are we serving who actually causes us to move into what feels like darkness or feels like he's crushing us? So when I was in California uh, working on my master's, 
I am so grateful. I went to this tiny little, there was only about 15 or 16 people there, and a person was giving a talk, and I'm sitting there listening, and they said, you know what the problem is with us who follow Jesus, who, those of us who are on this journey with him? We think that the journey is this. The first thing that happens is you receive Christ, right? And the beauty for all of us who have, if you haven't, it's just a gift. It's the most beautiful thing. You just receive Jesus, and all of a sudden, his love is in your heart, and it's life-giving. It's so fantastic. And then after the seed has got into your heart, the next thing that happens is you get rooted. The scripture actually says, now you get rooted down. So the seed gets planted in your soul of his presence, and then you grow roots and you get stronger. Well, as you're growing those roots into his love and into Christ and in the knowledge, next thing you know, spiritually, you start to grow. And it's, a fa- it's, a, and it's an exciting time in the life as a follower of Jesus because you're growing. And then, lo and behold, after you grow, fruit starts coming out of your life. And now it's like, oh my gosh, this is fantastic. I love following Jesus. He goes, the problem is we think that it stops there. He goes, look at what happens to every person who receives Christ, whose roots go down, who grow and start producing fruit It's in John chapter 15, 1 and 2, it says this. Jesus says, I am the true vine, and my Father is the gardener. And he cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit. Listen to this. While every branch that does bear fruit, he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. And I want to tell you, man, when the pruning is happening when he's cutting things away, stripping you down. I don't know if you've ever seen a pruned tree. Anybody ever seen a pruned tree? (laughs) They are ugly. (laughs) We had apple trees growing up and my dad would prune them and I remember you just look at them and you're just like, oh my gosh, there's nothing there. And I wanna tell you, man, when you're being pruned, it's hard. But here's what you need to know. The darkness rolls in when things are good He said, you're fruitful? I want you to be more fruitful. Your God is not harming you. He's healing you so that you'll even be more free than you ever were before. So that's the first thing we see in this passage. The second thing we see about darkness is that darkness reveals that nothing else is enough. (laughs) Nothing else is enough. In 2 Corinthians, verses 8 and 9, it says, Paul says, we were under great pressure far beyond our ability to endure, so that we despaired of life itself. Indeed, we felt we had received the sentence of death. See, when God is pruning your life, when he's actually, he's like purging things out of your life, things get taken away. But what's getting taken away? The only thing that God will do is take away things that are not necessarily of him, things that are not like him, things that are actually hindering your life. And, this, uh, and, and what Paul says here is, it was beyond our ability to endure. He couldn't do it. And I want to tell you, man, this is a lesson God's teaching me right Now, David, you want to do so many things on your own. I didn't create you to be able to do it on your own. I created you to need me. You guys, did you know that you are dependent human beings? You do because you need air, you need water, you need food, or you die. 
But what he's saying is your soul needs me. And when you're relying on yourself, or when you're relying on the economy, or when you're relying on the government, or when you're relying on your job, or you're relying on another human being, he goes, all of those things, he goes, that's not how I made you. Those things will never, ever be what they need you to be. And so he comes in and he just says, like, I, I just know for me, in my key moments of darkness, the first one was my senior year of college. And all of a sudden, I've, I was just, I was always engaged in loving people. And all of a sudden, I couldn't do it. It was the weirdest thing. The darkness that happened in my soul was, I couldn't love people like I used to. So I started questioning. It's like, God, are you even in me? Is your Holy Spirit even there? Like, what's wrong with me? And then it wasn't until I got my first job out of college and I felt like God came back to me and said, David, that's you without me. That's you without me. Even the love you have for people comes from me. So God gave me a dark night of the soul where I was incapable of doing what I knew I needed to do so that he could show me, quit relying on yourself and learn to rely on me. This is the kind of stuff that God does. He takes you to places that are actually beyond your ability, where work and success can all of a sudden be taken away. We're getting along with others where all of a sudden relationships fall apart that you never thought would fall apart. And you can't seem to fix them. <laughs> Changes happen that you have absolutely no control over. And things that you have held on to that defined you all of a sudden have slipped through your fingers and you don't even know who you are anymore. This kind of stuff, you guys, it's beyond your ability and usually what happens when these times, this is the first time where people will start to say, you know what, my faith, it doesn't work. And God has taken you to the next place. And here's the third thing that darkness tells us. The darkness results in God being enough. When the darkness comes, what God is doing is he's getting us to the place where we will know he is enough for me. He is my true God, the one that my soul was created for, and he's purifying my heart so that I can be fully devoted to him. Look at this in verse 9. Paul said, but this happened, this dark night, this loss, this hardship happened so that we might not rely on ourselves, but on God who raises the dead. He has delivered us from such a deadly peril and he will deliver us again. And on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. You guys, when we're relying on ourselves, we have no idea. I, I just want to say this. We really do have no idea how much we rely, rely on ourselves until darkness comes. <laughs> We think we're all good and everything's fine and then all of a sudden you can't do it and you're like, oh my goodness, I had no idea. You have no idea how much we try to control things <laughs> until you can't control them. Like I, I remember before I moved to Salt Lake, I, I didn't think I was a control freak at all. Now I know I'm a total control freak. Anybody else? And you don't know that 
until the dark night comes and you can't control it, then what do you do? And God does those things to show you, you actually really don't trust me. You're relying on yourself. You're relying on the economy. You're relying on the government. You're relying on your work. And I just needed to show you that so that you would not rely on yourself, but you'd rely on me. Here's what I know, man. We will rely on our ability until it's beyond our ability. We will rely on our ability until it's beyond our ability. And God loves us enough to go into that part of our soul that's still depending on things of this world so he can set us free from them. So what's he doing? In essence, you guys, he's, it's, it's literally he's just purging and then he's pouring. He purges things away so that he can pour into them. It's a, if he takes any, you guys, if he takes anything out of, of your life, it's always so that he can replace it with himself, with something that's better, with the very thing that he actually has for you. And instead of us really believing that he knows, we think we do. And God is like, that's not the life. I'm the only one who knows the life that I have for you. Trust me in this. And what Paul said there is what? He goes, he has delivered us. He has delivered us. And so, so now Paul can finally say, God is our deliverer. You know, and, and, and as I thought about this, how will we ever know that we actually need to be delivered? See, I, I, I think as long as we don't need him to deliver us, we'll keep delivering ourselves. We just will. So, and then Paul says, but here's what I know. He has delivered us. And then he says, and on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Our hope is not in ourselves anymore. Our hope isn't in anything else. You guys, think about this. Can you imagine your hope not being in something that could be taken away from you? But your hope being in God who is the deliverer, in God who actually can raise the dead, in God who loves you perfectly, in God who created you. Paul said, my hope is finally in him. It used to be in me. It used to be in my ability to keep my life together, to keep my marriage together, to my ability to, to parent my kids into greatness, my ability to be a successful. And finally, he's just going, my hope is not in anything else. He finally stripped me of all of that. And you guys, the dark night of the soul, the walls come so that God can get us to a place. And it does hurt. It is painful, just like a good surgery. But he's going into those places to get your heart purified so that it actually has its hope in him. And then when that happens, God is enough. And once God is enough for you, the one who never leaves, never changes, always loves you, is your security. So, how do we endure the dark? Ben, you guys can come on up. How do we endure the dark? So I, I, I have five things here that I'm just going to tell you what they are. And I talked with my wife yesterday, and I said, I, I'm not going to explain these right now because I really wanted Jeff and Melissa to share their story. But here's what I'm going to tell you, all of you, all of you online, everyone, 
I'm gonna tell you what the five are, and then later today, I'm actually gonna, I'm gonna fill them out. So if you want more understanding about these five things, just go to our Facebook page, okay? And I will actually post a video on there to explain this deeper. But how do you endure the dark? Number one, you've gotta be gut level honest with God. You've got to be gut-level honest with God. Man, the Psalms are like, how long, Lord, will you forget me forever? How long will you hide your face from me? How long must I wrestle with my thoughts? And day and after night have sorrow in my heart. How long? Look on me and answer, Lord my God. See, you guys, this is the Bible. So you guys, be gut-level honest with God. Secondly, you have to declare who he is. You've got to declare who he is. In the same psalm, just two verses later, he says, but I trust in your unfailing love. My heart rejoices in your salvation. I will sing the Lord's praise for he has been good to me. You can cry out to God and then in faith you go, but you are love. You are good. You can't be anything but that. So I don't know what's going on. I don't understand it. You're freaking me out. But I know who you are. So be gut level honest with him and then declare who he is. And then the third thing, you guys, is receive the darkness as God's gift. We'll talk more about that one. But you have to actually receive this darkness as a gift from God like surgery. Number four, and then hold on and keep walking. Hold on. And keep walking, because on the other side, God's going to pour love into your heart. And as Melissa said, the last thing is go through the darkness with others. Go through the darkness with others. Y'all, the last thing Paul said was, he says, on him, we have set our hope that he will continue to deliver us. Do you guys notice something? He's not alone. He wasn't all by himself in the darkness. He had people with him. And then he says, as you help us by your prayers. Don't go through the darkness alone, man. If you're not in community, get in community. Get in life together groups. Get in relationships with people. Because if you gets dark and everything's falling apart and things are failing, you are going to have such a temptation to feel shame like Jeff had shared. Like shame and you're going to hide and the enemy's going to be lying to you and telling you that God doesn't love you. Who's going to help you? Are you in the pit with other people? And who's praying for you? You help. We did this. God will deliver us as you help us with your prayers. Don't go through the darkness alone. But here's what he does say. Even if I do go through the valley of the deepest darkness, you, God, are with me. God is with you, you all. He's always with you. And he does love you. And he's always good to you. And even though you can't see him in the dark, you know what's great? Look at this last verse. Psalm 3 says this. But you, Lord, are a shield about me. You are my glory, and you are the lifter of my head. You know, this whole series, we've been doing this song that says this, if we're going to have depth of understanding of God intimately, we've got to be close to him. We've got to see him. We've got to look at his face and see the beauty of who God is. But man, when it's dark and you can't see him, what do you do? You sing anyway. That's what David did. 
you sing anyway. You sing to the one who is the one who will lift your head. You guys, he is enough. He's the only one who is. All right? So let's stand together and let's close out our service by declaring again that he is the one. He is good and he loves you and he's creating you to be everything that he wants you to be.